Hey, this is Brendan Gersall from King's Church. Thanks so much for tuning into our podcast. I pray that this message you're about to hear empowers you, encourages you, challenges you, and equips you to live the life that Jesus has for you. Thanks for tuning in. Well, I want to share what's on my mind today. And the first thing that's on my mind, and we're just going to go right in for it. We're going to go right for the jugular. The first thing that's on my mind is a pretty heavy topic, but I, I, I want to speak to it. I want to talk about racism and reconciliation. I want to go on the record uh, because I know in this sort of digital social media era, it is very easy to miss some things. And maybe some of you follow a little closer than others. I, over the last several weeks, have done things uh, on my podcast. I've hosted a couple conversations surrounding this topic about race. But I want to be sure that nobody that, that calls me pastor and nobody that goes to King's Church misses the fact or misses just, just me going on record about this issue called racism. Uh, it's very easy to miss some things. And so I want to go on the record. Are you ready? For the record. For the record. Let's get the record straight. This is, this is about racism. Here's what I want to say about it. For the record. Let it be known. Let it be heard. Let it be felt when I say from this pulpit that black lives matter. And um, let me say that with no caveats and no statistics and no yeah buts. Or did you knows? Let me just say that black lives not only matter, but for we, the church, they need to matter and they need to more than matter. Um, I was quite taken aback a few weeks ago and I just posted something. When we all saw what happened to Mr. George Floyd in Minnesota and we saw that, I just posted something, just like an emoji with a crying face and just saying, this has to stop. And I was quite surprised by the volume of feedback that I got. Some of it was a little aggressive. Others was just more like, hey, really? And, and, and there was some questions about, you know, really, is it, is it that big of a deal? And not, not necessarily what happened to, to Mr. Floyd, but the bigger question about racism and whether or not this is systemic and this is a big issue. I got some, some pushback on it, which made me really just stop and, and think for a minute about this as a Christian, as a human as a pastor, and I've been learning some things, and that is this about this conversation, that our response as the church and as a predominantly white church, our response in this moment reveals not only the truth about how we see the world and we see other human beings, but it reveals our theology. It reveals what we believe about God and what we believe about his word. This is a theological gospel issue. And I want to take you back to what Paul just said. Look what Paul said. He said, love, love must be sincere. It must be sincere. Hate what is evil. Hate what is evil. You have permission to hate what is evil. It's in the Bible. Cling to what is good. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Here's the key thing I want you to see. Mourn with those who mourn. Live in harmony with one another. Do not be proud, but be willing to associate with people of low position. Do not be conceited. Here's my scattered thoughts on, on racism, and, and this is by no means a complete conversation, but I, I, I want to just get some things for our church to think about when it comes to this conversation. The first is this, that we need to recognize, we need to call racism and, and prejudice and bigotry, we need to call it for what it is, it is evil. In fact, 
It's demonic. It has spiritual roots. That there is an enemy. We believe when we read this scripture that there is an enemy. There's two, there's two abundant themes the moment you open this book and you read in Genesis. One, it says God created man in his image. It didn't say God made white people this way, black people this way. It just said God made man. It didn't give us any indication about skin tones, whether you had melanin in your skin or whether or not you were pasty like me. It didn't say anything like that. It just said God made man in, it said let us make man in our image. The imago Dei. Every human being with a heartbeat and blood in their veins, we say, that's the glory of God on them. And then it tells us that there is an enemy who is hell-bent on bringing destruction, division, and devastation to God's prized possession, humanity. And he does that by, by bringing division. Immediately when you see Adam and Eve sin, what happens? Adam turns on his wife. He says, the woman you gave me did this. Immediately, this is, this, is the, this is the byproduct of sin. This is a sin issue. This is a spiritual issue. And, and here's the second thing I've been thinking about. It's not just that this is a big spiritual question that we need to think about as believers, but we need to realize that the enemy is working to divide us and he's working to blind us. And the church needs to be the first to be awake to that reality. We need to be the first ones that see, oh, you know what? There's more going on here. Like if somebody says to me after this, if you want to at me and say, oh, Pastor Brent got political. This is not getting political. This is getting spiritual. This is a spiritual issue. Racism is a spiritual issue. And that the church needs to rise up and call it for what it is. It's evil. It's absolutely evil. And then I would say this to my brothers and sisters who grew up in Atlanta, Canada, like I did. You grew up Caucasian. You grew up with very few, if any, black friends. Uh, I would tell you this, that racism isn't just evil, but it's real. It's a thing. It's a thing. It's an issue. And it's not just an American issue. Do I think it's deeper rooted in the States? I absolutely do. But do I think it's non-existent in Canada? No. I don't, and here's why. Because I've listened to my friends who have a different skin color than me. And me as a white man, you know what? I, I'll just, I'll just, I'll go, I'll go with you on this. I have learned some things about my own prejudices in the past few weeks. It's not, it's not hate, it's not vitriol. I never looked down on somebody of color, but there were assumptions that I made about their experience from my perspective. And that is facilitating this problem going on. And the only, the only way we can kind of get past this is if we actually listen to one another. And what's changed for me over the past five or six years is, you know what, I moved to St. John, I became the pastor of a church. God blessed this church. And all of a sudden we had people moving here. Uh, we had people of color. We had people from Nigeria, people from Africa. We had people that are from the United States of color. And I started to be having family and people I call friends and family of color. And it's different. When your family says, I'm hurting, this is real, you hear different. When it becomes us and it's not just them, you start hearing different. And so I got to say, like, I want to say to some of you, like, listen, it's a real issue. White privilege is a real thing. The fact that you have the luxury to sit back and determine whether or not racism is a thing is indicative of your privilege. The fact that you've never felt that before is indicative of privilege. It's an issue and failure to listen and continued ignorance 
only perpetuates it. And it, here's, here's the thing, I'll say this, in love as your pastor, you know what, if I'm not your pastor, whatever, you know, I'll take this for what it's worth. But let me just say, it says something about you if you're quick to get defensive when someone says racism is an issue and it's systemic, the moment you hear that, you go, well, really? If you're getting defensive, it would indicate that maybe that's touching a nerve. If you didn't have a problem somewhere deep in there, then what's it to you? Why is it hard to talk about this? We need to listen, we need to realize, and we need to realize that relationships are the key. And then ultimately, not just realizing that it's evil, not just realizing that it's here, but we, the people of God, need to realize God's heart on the issue. Look, woe to the world if all we can do is get civil equality. We need God's kingdom to come and we not need God's heart on the issue as it pertains to division in humanity. This is a Christian issue. This is a theological issue. I actually don't have it in here, but verse 10 says, did you catch it? He, he, uh, Paul said, love, love must be sincere. Hate what is evil. Cling to what is good. And then verse 10 says, it actually says, honor one another above yourselves. That as Christians, if we hear a brother and sister say, you know what, we're actually not on even plane in, in, in this world that we live in. That because of the color of your skin, you actually get advantages that I don't have. We as Christians are called to honor one another's, not just equal, like we need to go way past matters. We need to be honors, celebrates, appreciates, enjoys. We need to see, look, we don't, the church, we don't need to be like those people that say, I don't see color. See it. Appreciate it. Realize that God made it. God made it. It's, it's God. Read your Bible. Go to Revelation chapter 7. I don't have the scripture, but Revelation chapter 7 gives a vision of God's glorious end. And it says, in the end, John opens his eyes and he sees this vision. He says, I saw a great number two, a great multitude that no one could number or count. And then he said, it was made up of every tribe, tongue, people, and nation. That some distinctions and some uniqueness, that that's still there in heaven. Like God is not trying to create some Aryan race. That's actually anti-kingdom. What he's trying to do is reconcile all people from every corner of the earth to himself in one big, beautiful, diverse, multicolored family. That's what he's doing. That's what he's doing. So we need to realize and celebrate the diversity. We need to realize the reality. And, and look, don't apologize for your skin color. I'm not going to apologize that I'm white. I'm just going to recognize that I might have been prone to a little ignorance because of where I grew up. Because of the fact I didn't have black friends. But now I do by God's grace. And I think God is, look, you know what? And this is just off the cuff from the hip. I think when we look back on this season, 2020, the craziest year, the craziest year of all time, I think that there's going to be transformative things that happen and we almost forget about COVID 
And this is going to be one of those things that changed forever. And I am believing and I am praying and I'm contending. And I talk to not just my, my white influential pastor friends, but my black friends. And we're all seeing the same thing. The tide is rising and God is doing a new work. And yes, you know what? There's all kinds of, there's just movement happening. And there's, there's still like, there's looting and rioting happening, but that's out of pain. But there's something deeper going on. The tide is rising and God is doing something new. And so here's what we need to do. When it comes to this, we need to realize that it's evil, realize that it's real. We need to recognize God's heart and then visualize the goal. The goal is not, you know what? Praise God. In St. John in Halifax, we did the prayerful protest. There's been protests all over the place where people of every color are standing together and saying, you know what? Until black lives matter, no lives matter. And if black lives don't matter, all lives don't matter. And so they come together and these things are happening. That's awesome. But we as the church have got to see beyond, you know what, uh, 5,000 people in King's Square taking a knee and protest in solidarity. That's a beautiful thing. Raising their hand, reminding people of the names uh, of, of George Floyd and Breonna Taylor and Ahmaud Arbery and saying those names. That's great. But here, here's the thing. We, the church, need to be the people that see beyond this one knee and one arm raised to actually press beyond that and say, you know what? We want way more than just civil reform. We want the kingdom on earth as it is in heaven. We want every knee bowed. Every hand raised, every tongue confessing that Jesus is Lord. That's the goal. That's the vision. That's what we long for. That's what we work for. So we celebrate progress, but we don't set up and make a shrine and say, we're done. Our work's done here. Look, the church is just getting started and we have to work until that moment where Jesus returns. And the Bible does say, Philippians 2, he will come and every knee will bow. Every tongue will confess. And it won't say black lives matter. We won't be saying George Floyd. We're saying Jesus Christ is Lord. Every single color, every single person on planet earth. So racism's on my mind. <laughs> I think it's on God's. And I think God's moving on it. And uh, I wanted to go on the record. Uh, it's from hell. And uh, heaven's moving and pressing it out. Here's the second thing. We're going to totally shift. So there, there's, there's, <laughs> there's the heavy. Uh, this is a potpourri. Alex Trebek, potpourri for 500, please. Uh, Here's the second thing that's on my mind. It's heavy stuff, man. It's heavy stuff, but God's doing a new thing. Second thing on my mind is this, that it's time for us, the church, to rearrange and re-engage. To rearrange and re-engage. We are entering a new stage in this journey through 2020, in this COVID season, we're entering a new stage. Uh, we aren't where we were. If you look back into March, you know, when the announcements kind of went out and just shut down, lockdown happened. And we as the church, what do we have to do? We had to pivot, we had to adapt. And immediately we said, look, nobody can gather anywhere except for your home with your immediate family, but the church isn't going anywhere. And so by God's grace, he had already supplied us with the resources for that season, which is incredible. We just were able to, to get up and running at the way we are right now, back in like December and January. So it's just God's grace. He went before us and we full on dodged that haymaker called COVID and we just pow right back in its face, right? And look, 
I was thinking about this. You know, the Bible says that we, God's people, will be more than conquerors. And what more than conquerors means is we don't just get victory, but the thing that came against us, God will leverage for our favor and for, for our benefit. And, and the crazy thing about the last three months is, you know, if I could take you out by my office at the Valley Campus, if I could show you and give you a tour, we had on this big glass wall, we had all these goals that were gonna happen for Easter and we we're gonna do this big alpha movement. We we're gonna reach more people in the spring of 2020 than we ever had. This was our big goal. And we had these big exhaustive strategies. Well, the crazy thing was COVID happens and this thing comes against us and all of a sudden Brent and company's plans are gone. But the goals are still on the wall. And the craziest thing is, in the lockdown, we accomplished the goals. We reached more people than King's Church ever has before in its history. Yeah, praise God. And, and by every, every, every single measurement, we are ahead of where we've ever been as a church. And so I'm praising God for that first three months and how God went before us. But here's what I'm very aware of right now. Uh, what we have been doing is not sufficient for this next season. And we aren't where we're going and we aren't where we were. We're kind of in an in-between. We're in the in-between. We're, we're in, not the upside down for you Stranger Things people. No, we're in the in-between. We're, in we're in the borderland. We're in that place between where we're going and where we were. We're in this space where we need to figure out, okay, what does it look like in this phase to optimize the resources God has given us to bring life, to bring the kingdom, to empower and strengthen the church. How do we reach the lost? How do we do that in this season? And we need to actually rearrange and re-engage. We need to ask the question and realize that the job of the church and the job of every believer is that in every season, we arrange our lives in such a way that it keeps our faith burning bright. That's the job of every Christian in every church. Based on the resources we have and what we have available, how do I steward this in a way that keeps the kingdom fire, the light that is the city on a hill, the lamp on a stand? How do we keep that thing burning bright? This is what Paul was saying. Look what he said. He said verse 11 in chapter 12. This is, one of, this is an incredible, incredible verse. He said, never be lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual fervor serving the Lord. Now notice a couple things. First, the word never. Now, I looked it up. I looked it up on Blue Letter Bible. I opened it up in the Greek. I was hoping to find like the COVID distinction, like all times except for during the corona crisis and during lockdown. Didn't say that. Never just, flat, it's just a flat never. Just means there is no time that you should be lacking in zeal. What is zeal? Zeal is passion. It's the fire. It's that joy of the Lord. It's, it's, it's faith. It's energy. It's optimism. It's all of that life of the kingdom. He says, never be lacking in zeal. But here's the, here's the crazy part. So that's the standard that every believer is supposed to never lack in zeal. Now, it's okay if you're feeling a little, little, little less zeal-y than you were. We get it. But he says, but keep your spiritual fervor. Who? You keep your spiritual fervor. It's not Pastor Brent's job. It's not Pastor Jay's job. It's not Pastor Seth's job. It's not Pastor John's job. It's not Pastor Adam's job. It's your job to learn how to keep your spiritual fervor up. That's the, that's the job of every believer. And you know what I would say? A real silver lining and a real grace of God in this season has been? It's required hundreds and hundreds of, of baby believers to have to learn how to feed themselves. 
to have to learn to say, you know what, I'm not going to get to go to church this weekend where Pastor Brent's going to look at me and I'm going to get a handshake at the door and I get to stand with other people. It's not going to happen like that. So I got to figure out other ways to keep my zeal. And this is what we got to ask the question now, where we're at now. We need to realize as believers in every season, we are responsible for keeping our spiritual fervor. We as mature believers, here's what we know. If you are a mature believer, you know three things. One, you realize when it comes to your soul and your faith, we didn't start the fire. All right? Like, we didn't start the fire. You know that one. Billy Joel didn't start the fire either. Jesus starts the fire. It is by his grace. You didn't find Jesus. He found you. He's the shepherd. You're the lost sheep. And one day, I mean, you think about that day. You met Jesus and something ignited inside of you. That was his grace. He did that. We realize as believers that God did that. God started that fire. But here's the other thing we believe as, or we know as believers, and that is this, that fires tend to burn out. Fires burn out if they aren't tended. And so a mature believer knows it's my job to tend the fire of my soul. It's my job to keep my spiritual fervor. It's my job that I never lack in zeal. That's my job. And I think this has been a huge gift of the season because so many of us are starting to realize it. We're realizing that, look, God's grace started the fire and God supplies the means. He supplies the materials so that we can keep the fire going. But what you do with it and how you arrange it is on you. It's not on your pastor. It's not on your spouse. We've got to stop living through other people's faith. And some of you have not been able to come to church and and feel the heat of Brent's fire or or feel the heat of the fire of the people that sit around you. You've had to realize, you know what? I'm pretty cold. I got this coal here, (laughs) right? Like you've been trying to figure out how to do that. But the grace of this season is God has given you all the materials to light up. He's given you all the materials and this is a season where we need to learn how to manage and tend our fires. We need to keep our spiritual fervor hot. And so we do that by arranging the materials. We do that by, by moving these around. Think about, think about a campfire. Some of you, it might be still a no burn, I don't know. But uh, you think about campfires that some of you are gonna have this summer. When you're managing a campfire, there's a few things that have to happen. Like if you leave it too long and you just let the logs go, eventually, if you don't, aren't on top of that, you, they'll smolder. You gotta keep that oxygen. You gotta keep that spacing. And sometimes you gotta put a new log on. The same is with your life. If you just approach every season the same way, it will grow stale and will start to smolder. And I think this has been another gift of disruption this season where God says, nope, you're gonna learn how to rearrange that fire and we're gonna actually start to light you up again in a brand new way, brighter than ever. And I think God is doing that in this season. And so we need to learn how to arrange our materials so we don't let the fire of our faith get smothered. That's what Paul's talking about here. And so a few weeks ago, I shared a, a brand new thing that, that we are going to be launching here at our church. We've, we said that we believe that God's bringing reformation, like real transformative shifts that, you know, I talk about the logs, I talk about arranging the fire. We, we realized that before now, we were kind of like a one log fire. We had this big log called, called Sunday, trying to get the heat off Sunday. And we realized, you know what, that's actually an, in, an insufficient burn. And that when we look at the early church, the early church had really like kind of two main logs. They had the, the temple expression and they also had the table expression. They had the mass and they had the micro. They had the mega church and the micro church. They had the, the large assembly and the small community. And so we said, you know what, we're going to actually shift 
the makeup and the rhythm of our church to this in the month of August, launching into September. It's gonna take us some real time to get here because we're praying for up to 80 home church leaders to step up and say, I'm gonna do this. It's gonna take us some real time. But in the meantime, that's not an excuse to let your fire go out. We believe in August, you know, when we get ramping into this in September, you're in a home church. And even if you don't get to come to a weekend service and we aren't back up and running like we always have been on, on Sundays, we'll still have the digital stream. But we believe that the home church is going to be a mighty expression of faith. It's going to be hot. But here's the deal. You can't afford to wait till September. You've got to arrange the materials you have right now. You need to look at what's before you and say, okay, the days in my week we got social, physical distancing. We've got these restrictions. I know Nova Scotia and PEI, it's a lot tighter even than it is in New Brunswick. We don't know what's coming. We don't know. So we have to look at what we have now and arrange it accordingly. And so I'm going to suggest for you today, thinking about your summer rhythm. Thinking about how are you going to do this thing in such a way that it brings life. How are you structuring your life? And so I'm going to encourage you. You know what? Don't sleep on the rhythm of Sunday service. Look, some of you, I'll be the first to admit, it's very easy to be tempted. You're like, I'll go back and I'll watch it through the week. We'll do the on-demand thing. The power of Sunday isn't as much the content as it is the rhythm. It's the discipline. And I would, I would encourage you, if you're feeling weary right now on watching in your living room, watching in your home, and you're feeling like, oh, I'll just watch it Wednesday or I'll watch it Thursday, I would encourage you to say, no, I'm going to keep Sunday unto the Lord. I'm going to give that day the Lord's day. I know I can't get the kids in the car. We're not going to drive to, to, to like the Halifax campus and we're not going to show up and see our people. It's not going to be like it was, but I will keep that day for the Lord. I want to encourage you to keep that rhythm. Keep that going. And we're going to keep these services going. We're not stopping. Sunday's happening through the summer. But we don't have home church yet happening every week. So here's what we're going to try to do. Over the next three months, so through June, July, and August, we're going to try to create these kind of mid-sized gatherings. In New Brunswick, we can now get a certain amount of people together. And so what we're going to try to do is use every advantage we have to bring strength to people through the summer. And so we'll have Sunday service and then through the week, you'll have some, some options, primarily on Wednesdays at the Valley location, at our West location in Halifax, and even in Charlottetown. Pastor John, we celebrate you today. He's got a group, a couple groups of people. There's King's Church Charlottetown is building and growing. It's amazing. And so even in Charlottetown, we're gonna be doing, yes, we're gonna be doing gatherings. So I want you to think about how you're prioritizing your weeks. And here's the thing. Here's what you need to know. You need to realize that there's some things you're going to need every single week. You need the word and you need worship every single week. Every single week. Here's what else you need. You need other people. You need to experience worship together. And the good news is in New Brunswick and hopefully soon to be in PEI in Nova Scotia, we have some options to be able to do this in this in-between stage. So next Wednesday, we're going to be having a drive-in outdoor service at the Valley location for the St. John area. And then in a couple weeks, we're going to start announcing locations where we're going to have family, like family get-togethers through the summer uh, for West, for Halifax. And so stay tuned. In fact, if you go to our website, you should be able to see uh, kind of a slide like this or something on the website. And there's a, there's a place where you can find out some of the things that are happening. You can't really see that very good today. So you have to go on your website to check that out. But we're going to have, again, on Wednesdays specifically, worship opportunities. And here's the thing. We can only take so many people, uh, but 
take advantage. Try to come once a month. Try to, if you live in St. John, make sure you get, if you go to the West Campus, make sure you meet Pastor Adam for the family, family gathering he's gonna be having throughout the summer. Make sure if you're in the Valley area, come out to one of the Wednesday night worship services. Look, it's uncanny. The people that we have seen come live, it's fulfilling. It brings life. And don't, don't sleep on how hungry you might be for some of that connection. So my point is this, you need to take seriously and take ownership, the fire of your own soul, take advantage of what you have. You've got the word and worship coming every Sunday digitally, but that's not enough. You need to try to get out there. Go meet with some friends. Go have some people over. Like Paul said, practice hospitality. We need that human connection and you can't afford to wait till September. Don't let the fire of your faith smolder and smother until it goes out. This is a season where things can actually be lit hotter than ever, but you have to be intentional. So that's the second thing on my mind. Here's the last thing. I'm almost done. There's no, there's no countdown today. So I don't even know how long I'm going, but you're with me. Number three, here's the last thing that's on my mind. It's time, it's time to release and rehearse. It's time to release the hurt and rehearse the hope. It's time to release the past and rehearse the promise. This has been on my mind. A couple weeks ago, I was having a conversation with a friend of mine, a pastor in Nova Scotia, AJ, uh, AJ Plasier, and, and we were talking about coronavirus and talking about this season. And he goes, you know what? He goes, this might not be popular, but can, can we just like have the funeral already? Can we just like stop complaining about this? And I was checked actually, because honestly, uncharacteristically, I've been licking my wounds. Like more than I ever have. I've been just hanging my head and pouting and be like, man, I'm gonna get to have Easter. I haven't preached to real people in like months and months and months, except for today, which is awesome. But I'm just like hanging my head and pouting. And, and AJ, it just sort of was like a dose of cold water hearing another Christian leader say, can we just stop the holding pattern of our disappointment? And can we just stop? Like, yes, it sucked. It has, it's been, it's been really hard. It is what it is though. And you know what? There's a time to mourn. There's a time to grieve. There's a time to lament. The church needs to learn to lament. Read the book of Psalms. It's half negative. Half of it's really, really a downer. But the other half, there comes a time where it's like, you know what? But I will bless the Lord, oh my soul. That I will worship him. That I'm not gonna keep rehearsing the hurt. I'm not gonna rehearse the past, but I'm gonna start, I'm gonna start rehearsing hope. And so I'm gonna let it go. And I just, I just felt like this is a word for our church that we need to lead the way in our region, like letting go of disappointment, Letting go of frustration. I'm going to let something go uh, that's been hard. I'm going to let go of criticism on why are we doing this? Why are we doing it like this? I'm going to let go of, of, of divisiveness. I'm going to let go of, of criticism of people who maybe have a different opinion than me during this season. Just let those things go. And I'm going to start focusing on what God is about to do. I feel like God wants us to start rehearsing what's coming. It's a great thing. Have you ever had... You ever had a moment like uh, you're on the day before something like something awesome, like it's it's Christmas Eve, 
Or I remember like the day, like the day before I got married. I still remember that. I remember my, my, my rehearsal. And I remember like staying out late with my, my, my guy friends and like not that kind of late if you're wondering, but like we were, we were just having a good time together and we stayed out late. And then I went to bed and it took me a while to get to sleep. But then when I finally got to sleep, you know, I slept for a few hours. Then you wake up, your alarm goes off. And it took me a minute to remember, oh yeah, I'm getting married today. Ever have that moment? Like the moment where you, you go to sleep on the, on the eve of something great. It just takes you a minute to realize, oh yeah, I'm getting married today. Oh yeah, it's my birthday. Oh yeah, it's Father's Day. Dads, am I right? Am I right? Yeah, it's like you, you have that moment of, oh yeah, what's before me is great. And I think it's time for the church to wake up from this long night. I think it's time for us to remind ourselves, you know what? Oh yeah, revival's coming. Oh yeah, this is temporary. Oh yeah, that was, that was a long night. I was a little groggy, went to bed late, feeling a little funky, but yes, today is the day. God's doing something new. Oh yeah, victory is promised to the church. Oh yes, the word of God will never return void. It will accomplish its purposes. Oh yeah, we're on the winning side. So I think it's time we start rehearsing and changing our language. I was convicted last week. I mean, God's stepping on my toes. So like all week last week, AJ Plazier says, you stop whining and have the funeral already. And then Pastor Adam gets up, just preaches an amazing message, says, you know what we need to stop? The negativity. He's right. But let's go beyond just shutting up from the negativity and let's start speaking up about what God wants to do and what God is going to do. Let's start speaking life. The Bible says that the power of life and death, death is in the tongue. Let's start speaking life. Let's start speaking a change. Let's start calling an end to COVID. Let's just say, you know what? We're days away from seeing a vaccine. We're moments away from seeing a shift. We're days away. You know what? That count's gonna nosedive. Why don't we start speaking life and speaking hope? Not in a delusional way that it's not hard. We're not pretending like people haven't lost their jobs. We're not pretending like we don't wanna be to church together in the way we used to do it. But let's just start speaking life, putting our faith, practicing our hope. This is what Paul said. Look what he said. Never be lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual fervor. Serving the Lord, and here, here's what he wants you to do. Be, be joyful in hope. Be joyful in hope. Be joyful in hope, patient in affliction, faithful in prayer. Let's start letting our faith determine our words. Let's start rehearsing our expectation. Let's put it in the ground. Let's put this in the ground. Let's release the past. Let's release the hurt, and let's rehearse the hope. Let's pray together. Jesus, we thank you today for your word. We thank you today. That you, I just think about just what I just shared, Lord. And I thank you that even just these three different areas we're talking about, that you're on the move in these areas. We thank you that you're bringing reconciliation. We thank you that you are a God that hears the cry of the oppressed and that you're waking up people to finally hear the, this cry. And God, we call forth in Jesus' name an end to racism in North America. We call forth an end in Jesus' name to prejudice. Lord, we open ears to listen. We open eyes to see. And we call out the church to rise up and start binding up the devil, binding up the strong man, binding up powers and principalities that seek to rob people and destroy people and in bondage people and hold people back and hold people down, whether that's in systems or whether that's in systems of thought. Lord, we just call forth the church and say, take your place tear down strongholds 
and seek restoration and reconciliation. We thank you, Lord, for the vision of this family that we are a part of. Lord, we thank you that you've given us the tools in this season to arrange our lives in such a way. Lord, we thank you that you said never be lacking in zeal and you would never give us a commandment that you didn't give us supplies to fulfill. And so, Lord, thank you that in this next few months, you've given us what we need to actually thrive. And we believe that in Jesus' name. And God, I pray right now that you would get control of our tongue, that the voice of King's Church would start being a a life-giving tool, that we would start speaking life and speaking hope, Lord, as a unit, as a collective, but as individuals in the workplace, in the home, in our marriages, that we would stop the negativity. We'd stop, you know, we'd release the past and we'd rehearse our hope. We'd We'd realize that, oh yes, revival's coming. Oh yes, revival's coming. Oh yes, revival's coming. It's, it's, it's today. It's just later today. It's coming. And so Father, I pray you just let hope rise that we be joyful in hope. And I pray this in Jesus' mighty name. And everybody said, amen. amen.